Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. This morning I want to talk to you about abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. Now, I don't know if any of you know much about or have experienced, first of all, earthquakes. How many remember the earthquake we experienced, the Napa earthquake, just a couple years ago? Three years ago, in 2014. But man, if you felt that earthquake, or even here in in American Canyon, or even in Vallejo where it was felt strongly, if you didn't have a good foundation, you were shaken pretty, pretty strongly. I know in the house we were living at at that time, it felt like it was the end of the world. Didn't it, Gloria? Because we were next door to Gloria. And it felt like the end of the world, literally. The house was was bouncing. (laughs) It literally was bouncing. And I'm really surprised that it didn't come down. But I'm not surprised because God protects us. Amen? God protects his, His own. But, you know, one thing I found out is... There, there were people that were living in trailer homes, mobile homes, and their homes literally came off of their foundation because they weren't bolted on there. In fact, in a lot of these trailer homes, if you look at them underneath, they're just sitting on blocks, which is unbelievable to me, unbelievable to me how they can allow that to happen, especially here in the state of California. We're known for earthquakes. We, we could experience one today. Just like the rapture. We could experience the rapture today. I get a bigger amen on that one, don't I? Amen. I don't know about that earthquake one. But again, we have to have a foundation to keep us secure, to keep us in the knowledge that everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. And so this morning, as you have your handout, I want to talk to you about what it really means to abide in Christ. How many have heard that term before, abiding in Christ? If you've read John chapter 15, you've obviously heard it. But just in speaking in churches, you may have heard that term, uh, abiding in Christ. I want to talk to you real quickly for the next few moments about what that means. First of all, Webster's Dictionary defines abide as to endure without yielding, to bear patiently, to accept without objection, to remain stable or fixed in a state, to continue in a place. Now, that's great. That's, that's fine and dandy what Webster says. But listen to what Strong's Concordance says about that word, the Greek word, which in this case is meno, for abiding. And this is what it says. It means to stay in a given place, a state, a relation, or expectancy. Other words that are used interchangeably are to dwell, to endure, to be present, reunion, to stand for, or to tarry for, an old King James word. But it means to be still, to be present. Not being, not going back and forth, not changing your mind, uh, just to be still, to stay in a given place. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15, and I took the liberty of including it on your outline, so you have it on your outline if you don't have your Bibles this morning. But won't you stand this morning? We're going to read and honor the Word. Won't you stand this morning? John chapter 15, and I want to read verses 1 through 10. And it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And this is out of the New American Standard Bible. Verse 2 Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it 
so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let me repeat that one again because I want you to catch that. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the vine dresser. Lord, I am just a branch. We are just branches. And Father, we gain our sustenance. We, we live off of you, Lord. We can do nothing without you. And Father, I pray, help us this morning to understand what this abiding process is all about. What we receive by abiding in you. So Father, I pray, bring anointing, bring a, a, a special anointing to your word this morning that we might have ears to hear and a heart to receive it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God is good this morning. God is good and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. While he is good, he is, he is faithful. Amen? Amen. That is the great news. God is faithful. He's very faithful. You know, John 15 and verses 4 and 5, I want to read this again to you. Here he clearly states here, it says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in, in me. And he's real clear there. He's real clear. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's amazing to know that we can do nothing without him. Amen? You can try. You can try to eliminate God from... From your life, you can try to, to do things without God, but you will fail. You can only get so far and you will fail. How many have found that to be true? I know I have. We need to learn what abiding means and, and what it implies. As we begin to look at the subject, let's consider what abiding in Christ means in our lives. So first of all, number one, abiding in Christ. What does it imply? First of all, it implies that we are one with Christ. Do you, do you recall in the book of John, chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said these words about the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. In the Greek, it actually says, I and my Father, we are one. We're one. They were one in, in essence, in nature. And that's what the Lord is trying to tell us this morning is we need to identify with Him and, as, as one. In other words, the thoughts that we have should be the same thoughts He has. Our actions should be the same actions as His. And that is how we, 
we develop to become one with him. Amen. We need to have that desire. Amen. See, Jesus' desire was that he would, we would experience the same oneness that he had with his father. He had this special oneness. Now, yes, he was God. Yes, that was his task. Yes, that was his mission. But as for you and I, his goal for us is that we would be one with him. Now, we can do that. We can do that. Have, have you ever felt a oneness with your, here you are, those of you that are married, have you ever felt that oneness with your, with your spouse? Of course you have. If not, we can talk later offline, okay? But we've had that oneness, and that's what marriage does. That's what the marriage covenant creates, is a oneness with your spouse. But beyond that, there's a special oneness with our heavenly creator that he desires for you and I. He desires for you and I to have that oneness with him. Amen? Just like Jesus... Jesus told Philip, he said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the oneness he was talking about between Jesus and the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you're a spouse here today, a lot of times you can say, well, if I've seen Irene, I've seen Wayne kind of the mindset. Not not physically, right? But the mindset is the same. You know why? Because they're both givers. They both give. They're amazing givers. They're hospitable. They reach out to a need. They see a need. They take care of it. Uh, and so forth. All of us, when we see a spouse, sometimes there's something that identifies that couple. There's something about them that when you've seen that person, you've seen the other. And, and Jesus is saying that he was one with the Father. And he's desiring that we each have that oneness. Amen? He's desiring a oneness for each of you. John 17, verse 20 says this, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. See, to abide in Christ, to abide in Christ this morning is to continually abide in his presence. Wherever you go, you're abiding in his presence. See, church isn't just the only place you have his presence. How many know that this morning? Wherever you go, you're abiding in Christ. You're walking with the Lord. Amen? It's it's part of your foundation. Wherever you go. That's the great and beautiful thing about about Jesus. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's his promise to you. No matter what you go through, no matter what trial, what struggle you may be going through, he, he never will leave you nor will he forsake you. Now, your, space, your spouse may forsake you. How many t- know that sometimes your spouse will forsake you? Because we're imperfect human beings. We're just imperfect human beings. But God will never forsake us. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. 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 Number two, abiding in Christ implies that we are in communion with him. I want to share that word communion there. That word communion in the Greek is where we get the word koinonia, which means fellowship, to have fellowship. How many have heard that word before, koinonia? And it's, it's to have a common partnership or fellowship. It denotes sharing, which one has in anything, a participation, a fellowship recognized and enjoyed. That's what we, or what Christ desires for you and I, a fellowship. It's, it's a friendship. It's much more and beyond that. Amen? Yeah. 
It also involves participation in the sufferings of Christ and sharing the resurrection life possessed in Christ. Because, I mean, no, it's not always roses everywhere you go once you become a believer. It's not, uh, oh, happy day every day, is it? It isn't. Oh, happy day is good. Oh, happy day is great. But there will be bumps in the road. There will be thorns in the road. But Jesus still walks with you through that because you're one. If you're truly abiding with him, he will walk with you. Amen? And that light at the end of the tunnel is Jesus guiding you. And it's when you're not abiding with him, that light on the end of the tunnel is usually a train coming right at you. Amen? So learn, let's learn to abide with him. Philippians 3.10 says this, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. There's no greater knowledge that you can have than, than to abide with Christ and to know that he's there to meet all of your needs, that he's there to comfort you. You know, this morning, uh, uh, a brother of mine shared with me a wonderful scripture. I, I've heard it many times, but he said that the Lord renews my youth. I'm younger. And you know, when you think about that, just the face value of that, that could be almost ridiculous if you're not a believer. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? But as a believer, the Lord renews you. He renews your youth. You don't get older. You get better. Amen. You get better as a believer. And, and that's the amazing thing about God's word is you do get better. He renews the youth in you. And that's only by abiding in him. That only happens by abiding in him. See, when you walk with Christ, you walk in the light. You walk in his light wherever you go. And I've often said it here. When you're walking in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're walking this way or that way. He's just pouring out blessings on your life. I'm serious. I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in the lives of people that are committed to Christ. Wherever they go, it's just blessing. It's just blessing. It's just blessing. And uh, I don't know what to say about that other than abide in him. Walk with him. Be consistent with him. Depend on him. Put him number one and he will pour out blessings in your life. Amen? First John chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7 say the following. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We're liars and do not practice the truth. But, everybody say but. but. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. How many are thankful for that this morning? He cleanses us. And that's how we can walk in the light. We can abide in him. It's not because of our goodness. It's because of what he's done on the cross. Amen. See, all of us fail him every day. I promise you, you will fail him today just like I will. At some point today, you will fail him. Why? Because you're not perfect and I'm not either. But thank God we serve a God that loves us even with all the, the warts, the pimples, Every ungodly thing you can think of, the gray hair, he loves us. The lack of hair, he loves us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Here's point number three, abiding in Christ. What does it involve? Okay, uh, I see we need to be in communion with him. We need to have fellowship with him. Um, but what does it involve? Well, number one, abiding in Christ involves dependence upon him. 
You know, there's, we have a lot of little ones. We have a few babies in our, in our church, and um, Lex, who just had a beautiful baby, gorgeous little baby, a month old, that baby is completely, 100% dependent on her parents. That baby cannot do a thing without her parents. That is what Christ is longing for us, for you and I to have that same attitude of complete dependence upon him. Lord, today, you know, say tomorrow morning, you got to get up. Tomorrow morning, I have to get up and go to work. And then Tuesday, it's a holiday. Crazy, right? But we're we're getting up Monday and many of us will be going, Lord, give me strength today because I really don't want to go to work today, right? Some of you may be saying that already come Sunday. It's already Sunday and you're thinking, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Lord, be my strength. He will be your strength. If you abide in him, he'll provide that strength for you. Lord, help me to enjoy this summer vacation. You know, if you're, if you're a young person here and you're going to college or school in, in September, enjoy it. God walks with you during that time. Amen. He walks with you. Amen. So we need to depend upon him. John 15 and 5, and here's my point. This is what I'm trying to talk to you about this morning. Let's read that. Let me read that scripture again. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So we need to depend and realize who we get our strength from. Amen. This morning, some of you came in this morning, maybe dragging in here. And the minute you walked into that door, you put on your smiley face. Your, your shiny white teeth are, are shining for the glory of God, but God is your strength. Let's not forget God is your strength. Amen? Amen? God is your strength. Let us not forget to depend upon Him for all strength. In our oneness with Christ, in our oneness with Christ, it's important that we should always continually rely on His grace. You've heard that expression that says, well, for by God's grace, there go I. You know, somebody that does something bad, they fall apart or whatever. And you, you can comment and say, man, by God's grace, there go I. You know, that was me five years ago. That was me t- 10 years ago. That was me 20 years ago. Whatever it may be. Let us not forget that we rely on God's grace every single day of our life. Amen. Amen. God's grace is good. Amen. Amen. See, dependence upon Christ involves our ability to trust in him. Which goes to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just with half of your heart. Not with three quarters of your heart. But with all your heart. And lean not. Lean not into your own understanding. And it goes on to, uh, to say some more words in there. But Proverbs 3 5 is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. As we do this, we'll define the very purpose that he's called us to. See, when you're abiding in Christ, you begin to fulfill the purpose that he's called you, and he'll give you a passion. How many have a passion now to do things for Christ that they didn't have before? I know I do. I I, I didn't have this passion to speak God's word, to get up and and do these things. I would have laughed at you if you'd have told me in my late 20s that I'd be doing this. I'd have laughed at you and and cursed you out while I laughed at you. But not now, because I have a different perspective. I, I have a different passion. I have a purpose. Amen? Amen? He will define the very purpose that he has for each of us when we continue to abide in him. Amen? Let's learn to abide in him. And I want to read 
this, this other scripture here, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8, say the following. Blessed is the man whose trust in the, who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield, yield fruit. See, what it's saying is that nothing will prevent you, nothing will come against you from bearing that fruit as long as you stand in Christ, as long as you abide in Christ. Amen? But I want to give you an illustration here this morning. All of you recognize that we live right next door, maybe we live, uh, some of you, in the world's greatest wine-growing region, in the entire world, the entire planet. The Napa Valley is, is widely recognized as the greatest place for wine growing. And having been raised in the Napa Valley and having been raised in, in the culture of farm working and so forth, my great-grandparents and grandparents came and were migrant workers going from different states and, and going to harvest. Different, it took them all the way from Texas, California, up to Wyoming, where my dad was born, I don't know, in the 30s, I don't know if there were too many Hispanic families in Wyoming, but there were crops apparently at that time that took them up there, and then they came and settled in, in California. But here's, here's my point. In, in the Napa Valley, in the vineyards, there's a lot of work that, it, that goes to producing grapes. How many know that? Uh, I've been involved in the, in the wine uh, business. I was involved in that industry for 25 years, so I know a little bit about it. Uh, we used to uh, pick grapes and lease grapes and all that business. And so there's a lot of work that goes into it from the pruning of the grapes, typically at the beginning of the year or late at the end of the year, to then you, you got to have a, the right cover crop to prevent uh, bugs and pests. And then there's the sulfuring that goes on when you get a rain. You've seen the sulfuring, the white chemical fog in the morning as you're going through the valley. And, and then you have the tying of, of branches of the, of the vines to the trellis system. And then you have the thinning of leaves. As, as you get closer to harvest, you want to thin the leaves away so the sun can penetrate the fruit and, and increase that fruit. There's the watering of it uh, by, by mechanical means, by man's means. But in all that, even after the harvest is done, the grapes are hauled away to a winery for crushing and making of, of wine. In all that... There's a total dependence upon what they would call Mother Nature, upon what we would call God. 80% of that work is performed by God in the climate, in the water at the beginning of the year, at the springtime. If they don't get the right amount of water, those plants are going to bear much fruit. And then the other factor is the heat. Grapes need heat. And that's why the most successful grapes are grown in warm regions this region is very similar to what they have in France, very similar as far as climate. And in summertime, July, August, when they typically begin to ripen up, we get our heat, 90 degrees, 100 degrees, and that spikes the sugars up in the grapes. All that is up to God. 80% of the work of the vineyards is all dependent upon the climate. See, it doesn't matter what the farmer does doesn't matter how much work he does on his end. If he doesn't get the rain, if he doesn't get the heat, grapes aren't going to grow. Grapes will not grow. And my point is, 
We have to have a complete dependence upon God. Even the farmer depends upon God, whether, whether they recognize that or not. They depend upon God. Amen? And so should we. We need to have a total dependence upon God. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to cover and make that payment, that mortgage payment that's coming up, that rent payment. 100% dependence upon God. Amen? It's 100% dependence upon God. And that's, that's tough to do. It's, it's tough to do sometimes and put our trust in God when we see things that don't make sense. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? But God, how many know that God comes through? When you continually abide in Him, when you continually put your faith in Him and dependence upon Him, He'll never leave you hanging. Amen? And then my next point here, abiding in Christ involves obedience unto Him. See, we can't abide faithfully unless we're obedient to Him. And let me read a scripture to you, John 15 and verses 9 through 10. Let me repeat this again. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And listen here, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He wants you to keep his commandments. And again, I I referenced this earlier. We will fail him. Don't beat yourself up when, when you fall short. Don't beat yourself up. What he wants to see is that your heart and that you're trusting and depending upon him and trying to do the right thing. He will encourage you. He'll pick you up. Didn't he pick Peter up when Peter began to sink in the water? When Peter stepped out and Peter began to drown, the Bible says, and immediately Jesus picked him up. Immediately. God will do the same thing for you and I. He wants to have you walk in obedience unto him. Also, abiding with Christ involves consistency. Everybody say the word consistency. Consistency. One of the great dilemmas that every church has, and this is every church, not just American Canyon, uh, Foothill American Canyon, but every single church has this dilemma. There will be people that are part of this fellowship here that only come once or twice a year. Uh, and how many know what I'm talking about? You'll see those faces once or twice a year. And it's great to see them. It's great. We love those people. And, and, but as a pastor's heart, my, my heart is, I want to see you consistently. Because when you walk consistently with, that, with the Lord, God will pour blessing consistently into your life. Amen? See, we have inconsistent people at every church and they lose out on God's blessings. Amen? Many of us have never received the abundance of Christ's blessings because of inconsistency. And and when the Bible here, when John chapter 15 is talking about fruit, I believe it's talking about a couple different things, but first of all, it's talking about being a soul winner, sharing your faith with others, sharing your faith with others, number one. That, That involves fruit. It involves uh, harvesting, of, of sharing your life and sharing what God's done to somebody else. How many have done that this week? Maybe last week. You've done that. You shared what God has done in your life. There's nothing more powerful than your testimony. Nothing more powerful than what God has done in your life. Number two, it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. When you bear much fruit, 
It's talking about love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, and so forth. All those wonderful, the nine fruit of the Spirit that the Bible talks about, we should be displaying that. We should be all in one mind and one accord with the Lord. Amen? We need to be completely consistent with Him. So, one of the great things that, that the Bible says is when we continue, we stay or stay in a given place, um, it reminds us in, in the book of Galatians, and I want, want to read the scripture to you, chapter 6 and verse 9, it says this, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know, there will be times you walk into church or just your everyday life, you're growing weary. You don't have to be 70 years old to experience weariness. You could be 20 years old and experience weariness. I'm talking about physical, mental, spiritual weariness. We all struggle through that and go through that. But remember this. The Bible tells us, it reminds us, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap we shall reap if we do not lose heart, if we don't grow faint, if we don't um, uh, um, stop and lose our faith. Amen. We want to be continually dependent upon him. We, ne- we want to walk in obedience and we want to be consistent in that process. You know, there's a there's a, a vineyard. I'll share this to trivial knowledge here. There's a tr- there's a vineyard in Slovenia, in Europe, that is over 500 years old. 500. Everybody say 500. That's a long time. Longer than anybody here will ever live. But it's still giving fruit. It is still giving fruit. They say that the root system stretches for hundreds of feet. Can you believe that? It stretches for hundreds of feet. And yet it still gives fruit. In fact, it says that that as this vine has gotten older, it doesn't just produce some nice grace, but it produces an extreme superior uh, quality of super high quality and sweeter than candy type grapes. I can't imagine what that would taste like, but it's very limited and it must be very, very expensive, okay? But those roots that are stretched out, they rely, the, the vines, the grapes, rely totally upon those roots. They're tied to that. Amen. Their total dependence upon those roots, much in the same way you and I need to be dependent on our Lord. Amen. To to produce fruit. We can't do it on our own. That root can't be chopped off and expect to grow. It's not going to happen. Amen. We, We have to be reminded that Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Jesus is the vine. He's the supplier of everything. Everything in here. He's the supplier. It's not... Pastor Rick's church, and I've always told you this, this is God's church, amen? This is God's church. We should continue in His Word, amen, and be faithful, amen? And, and I, I want to close with giving you five different things of what you can receive. It's on the back of your outline. Five different things that abiding brings to each of you when you successfully walk with Him. Number one, it provides security, how many know that security is a great feeling? To know that you have, you have nothing to fear for, that, that God has your back. Security is, is, is uh, there's nothing better than feeling secure. And for children, we all need to have 
the knowledge that they feel secure. Um, when we leave our homes, we need to know that our home is secure, that when we come back to it, it'll look the same way as it left when we, uh, when we get there. And that's why we have alarms, and that's why we have boxers, uh, dogs. Amen. <laughs> Psalms 91 and verse 1 says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is one of my brother Ed's favorite verses that he would quote all the time. He would quote that all the time. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Lord has you covered. He's saying is, I got this. I got this, Irene. I got this, Rick. I got this, Kenneth. I got this. Number two, a cleansing. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I feel yucky. I feel, I, I feel like, man, God, I, I'm, I'm a disappointment to you. I know it. And I feel yucky. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel sometimes. But John chapter 15 verse 3 reminds me of this. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. See, his word cleanses us. His word renews us. It renews our mind. It renews our spirit. But when you're not in the word, when you fail God, when you come short, you feel yucky. You feel out of sorts. That's why you need the word. I need to go back into the word and say, Lord, cleanse me. Let your word cleanse me and make me whole again. Amen. Amen. All of us can have that cleansing power when we abide in Christ. Number three, it gives us confidence. First John chapter 2 and verse 28 say, says the following, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. See, we have confidence that the Lord is coming back. Amen? The Lord is coming back for His people. I mean, do you really believe that? The Lord is coming back. He's coming back for His people. We have that confidence, and we, know, we, we need not be ashamed of that. And point number four, usefulness and fruitfulness. John 15 and verse 4 again says this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Again, we cannot do anything. We cannot be of any godly use or bear fruit without being totally dependent upon the Lord. He is the vine. We are the branches. Amen. You can't do anything on your own. Number five, in him we have victory. How many are thankful for victory this morning? Amen. Victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. First John 3, 6 says this, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now what it's saying here, it doesn't mean that you'll never sin. It, what it's saying here is that you don't walk in sin. That isn't your habit of walking in sin. An unbeliever's habit is to give God disregard and to walk in sin. It doesn't bother that person to sin. As a believer, the moment we feel, oh man, I let God down, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. To bring you to repentance. To bring you to a place to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, give me the victory right now. And we have that victory to know that God has cleansed us of all sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. How, many, how many are thankful for abiding in Christ today? And that's one of the greatest lessons that we can have is 
to build that foundation this morning and abiding in Christ. See, it doesn't, it, it doesn't get easier as we get older. It just We have more confidence in His Word. It still takes work. It still takes getting up. It still takes prayer. It still takes all the things that we've done all our life. It doesn't get any easier. But it, it involves consistency. It involves dependability. It involves trusting in the Lord. So no matter what you may be facing this morning or this week, no matter what trials have come your way, continue to abide in Christ. He is your strength. Amen. He is your security. He's your cleansing. He's your confidence. He's your usefulness and fruitfulness. And he's your victory. Amen. Give him a hand clap this morning. Amen. He is all that and much, much more. Amen. Amen.